Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Well, good morning, good morning. (laughs) You guys ate too much food or something? Still not awake? I don't know. I told them over there, I'm going to speak for five minutes and tell you to go home and have a good afternoon. But uh, what was that? Good morning. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, I do. I hope you had a good Christmas and that uh, you're able to spend time with family and friends and do the things, whatever it is that you do over your Christmas uh, holiday. I know some of you are uh, fortunate enough, we live in Las Vegas where you work, so uh, some of you had to do that and others of you were able to take off and spend time with your family and friends. But uh, again, thank you so much for being here. I want to share with you a couple things before I get into the sermon in regards to a big thanks to you. And um, if you follow on some of the Facebook stuff and social media, we've posted some of these things out. But we do, every year we do, or I guess this is our second year, we have done an angel tree, which basically um, grab a gift for somebody that's either within our church community or our church family or outside within the community. And so we did that this year. And we also did food baskets for uh, families around, again, our church and outside of our church. And so I want to say thank you to all of you that participated. We have over 40 children uh, that received Christmas um, from within our church family. So you guys went out and purchased gifts and did all that, which was awesome. And then we fed over 150 families this Christmas um, because of uh, the gifts and the giving from our church. And so thank you so very much. I know the deans aren't here, and uh, they are the ones that kind of spearheaded that. And so uh, I publicly thank them, though they're not here. But um, Thank you for being a part of that. That's awesome for our church and the size of church that we are to be able to, um, like I said, over 40 kids. That And it wasn't like there was one gift per kid. So I know we grabbed a, a, somebody off of there and uh, grabbed a, a handful of gifts. And, and so many of you did the same thing. Some of you just gave money and said, go shopping for me. And so all of those things were taken care of, over 40 kids and over 150 people. Um, that that had food this Christmas. So thank you so much for being a part of that, and uh, I appreciate that, and I know those that were a part of that, um, that received those things, were um, extremely grateful for that as well. And so I just wanted to to publicly say thank you, and and you guys did an awesome job um, at that. And uh, very good. (laughs) This is going to be a long day. Um, I again, uh, as we get into the sermon this morning, I'm going to uh, speak on keeping Christmas all year. One of the things that that we often hear, especially in the Christmas time, is is that we we hear about the Christmas spirit and the the things of the Christmas holiday and what that is, and and it's we sing the songs "Joy to the World" and "Jingle Bells," and Christmas is just one of those times of the year that we are kind of everyone seems to be happy. And I joke about this often unless you go to Walmart or some of these stores during those times. But for the most part, Christmas is a fun season. It's a fun time to be around family. It's a fun time to be around friends. And then Christmas is over on Thursday. And then they come to church on Sunday and there's no more Christmas spirit. We quickly lose the Christmas spirit, so to speak, I don't, I don't say that just in our country, but I think just in general, we, we kind of get really excited and, and, and we buy the gifts and we do the things and then Christmas is over and by Christmas afternoon, you've either completely ate yourself to a coma or whatever it would be, but you are just pretty much just kind of at that veg state of, okay, um, I am not doing anything for a couple days, I have off, or maybe you have to go back to work, or maybe you didn't have Christmas on Christmas Day because of work, or whatever that would be for you, I don't know, but regardless, we get to a place, and oftentimes it's just kind of like, okay, it's all over, let's move on, and we'll celebrate Christmas or New Year's Eve in just a few days, and, 
And I don't know how many of you are like me. I am. I I don't stay up very late often, and uh, so Christmas Eve is one of those. Or New Year's Eve is going to be that night where I look at my wife at about ten thirty, eleven o'clock, and I'll say, "Why do we stay up? Because tomorrow's just another day." But yet we'll stay up late and we'll have time with friends and family again. Or uh, maybe you go somewhere, maybe you stay at home, maybe you are one that just, it doesn't matter. I'm going to bed at 9 o'clock because that's what I always do. I don't know what you do, but we still kind of have some of that. But Christmas or New Year's Eve is more kind of the party type of deal. Where Christmas is, is, is that spirit of Christmas that we talk about. Well, I, I like to think that the spirit of Christmas especially for those of us that are believers, is and can be something that's not just the week of Christmas or the month of Jan- or December as we kind of do the, the festive holiday things that we do. I like to think that the, the spirit, so to speak, of Christmas is something that can be all year and every day of our lives. Because we, we celebrate the birth of Christ, but it's not like He came and then on the next day we, there's nothing to celebrate. Christ is still with us. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So it's not something that though the, the, the outside, maybe the secular world so to speak, would, would celebrate Christmas because it's a lot of, for a business it's a time of great financial gain. For others it's a time, that, oh well we, it's a good thing to spend with family But for you and I as believers, it's something that we have every day of of our lives. I can celebrate Christ coming. We sing the songs, and I I know we're a week past Christmas, but I wanted to continue to do uh, the carols at least one more week. But we can sing the carols, and we can do those things. But here we are a couple days past Christmas, and I can have just as much joy today as I did on Christmas Day, spending time with my wife and my children, and then later on the day we went with my parents. And It's really, for us, though we may celebrate it different, it's really the same thing. Because it's not just a one-time event. And so the thought this morning is kind of how do we keep Christmas all year round? And so what we're going to do this morning, or where I'm going to take us is, and we're going to look at part of the Christmas story, and one that I haven't spoken uh, in a, I don't know that I've ever spoken it here, but we're going to look at Matthew chapter number 2. The story of the wise men coming and traveling to go see Jesus. And if you know much about this passage of Scripture, or this this uh, the wise men, we would understand that they didn't come, they weren't there in the manger. I know our manger scenes have the baby Jesus and they have all the thing and then there's the wise men. The wise, the wise men were not at the manger. They came later on. Jesus was uh, by this time about a toddler or so. And so we, we come to the wise men and I, I want to take us to a couple things as to how we can apply it in our lives every single day Things that the wise men did that we can take with us and keep Christmas all year round. So Matthew chapter number 2, I'll start reading in verse number 1, and I believe they should be on the screens as well. But now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod... When he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over over where the young child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the day that you've given to us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, the, the passage of scripture that we will look at today. Lord, again, I thank you for these people that are here. I pray, God, that we would keep in our hearts the, really the meaning of Christmas, but really it's, it's so, so much a part of who we are as believers or who we should be as believers. Lord, constantly giving of ourselves, being selfless, spending time with, with you, spending time with those around us, our family and our friends, and, and fellowshipping with one another. Lord, all the things that we take a hold of as Christmas, Lord, it should be a part of our everyday lives. And Lord, I pray that today, as we kind of open up and look at your word, that you would speak to us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So this morning I want to take and I want to, I want to look at a couple different things. I want to look at the, the wise men or the magi, and I want to look at the star and I want to look, as we get started here, before I get into the points, I want to take a, just kind of dissect some of these things and talk about some of the history of who the wise men were. And so, during the Middle Ages, legends, legend would develop that, that the wise men were, were kings that were three in number. Again, the three comes from, some people take it from there was three gifts, and so they look at that. There's really, we're not told a number. Their name, their, their means of transportation to Palestine or the specific country or countries that they come from are not known. We believe it would be the east and that's just again, that's an assumed thing based on the location that, that we believe or that the, the, the historians would believe that they came from. The Magi or the wise men were primarily known as priestly political class of the Parthians who lived to the east of Palestine. They were skilled in astronomy and astrology. And it is from the name Magi and from what they did that we would get our name today of magic or a magician. They are often referred to as wise men. And so as we continue, just kind of just some thoughts on who these wise men or these Magi were. Um, uh, historians tell us that no Persian was ever able to become king without mastering the scientific and religious disciplines of the Magi and then being approved and crowned by them, and that this group was also largely controlling of the judicial appointments. And so as we, we look and we, we kind of think of some of these things as to who they were, they were, they were in some regard a powerful group of people, we, we think and we, we kind of take this a little bit further. Not only were they true magi, the ones that came here in Matthew chapter 2, but they surely had been strongly influenced by Judaism, quite possibly even by some of the prophetic writings, especially that of Daniel. They appear to be among the many God-fearing Gentiles who lived at the time of Christ, a number of whom, such as Cornelius and Lydia, that are what we read in Acts, are mentioned throughout the New Testament. And so here we see these wise men, these people that were, were we would look at them from the east, and, and we don't, again, we don't know the specific location in the east, but, but they come from the east, and they find, they come to Jerusalem asking and questioning, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They didn't know where this king was. So they make this journey because they see a star, and they begin to just hunt. I don't know how many of you are uh, confident enough in yourselves to be like, huh, I have this hunch. There's a star over there. I kind of know a little bit about the history things over here. And I've, I've read enough and I've been taught enough, but there's a star and I'm just going to, I'm going on a trek and we're finding it. And throughout their history, throughout their journey, again, they really did not know where they were going. Have you ever saw something out in the distance and thought, you know what? I'm just going to go over there. And you take a walk, and over there isn't just over there, it's like way out there. I remember when my parents first moved here, and we were, 
my wife and I, we had, we had gotten married and we would come and travel on vacations or whatever and we would visit for a few days or a week or whatever it was. And they lived in Boulder City at the time and they were at work and my wife and I were like, you know what, let's go on a walk. Well, from where they were, you could kind of walk and you could see Lake Mead. And we're like, well, that's not that far. So we decided to take a little bit of a journey to just walk that direction. Again, we're not from here. We don't know where we're at. And we took a little journey in that direction of where we thought Lake Mead was so that we could, over, we could look over Lake Mead. I don't know how long that journey was, but we finally came to a place and we're like, I'm not going anymore. And we turned around. It was a long ways out, though it looked like it was just going to be a short little journey. And I don't know, and I don't say that because they didn't think they were going on a long journey, but they really did not know where they were headed. They saw the star. They knew that they were going to head in that direction to find the king, the one that was born, the king of the Jews, and they were going to go. And so I imagine that they got to a place, and, and it says that they were... They were asking the question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. I can imagine going to a place where you have no idea where you're going, searching for this king that you really don't know where he is at or where what he looks like, what his parents look like. You don't know exactly what you're looking for and just going around. Just go to downtown Vegas and be like, hey, uh, where is John? And just start asking for John. You're probably going to get people that look at you a little funny. You're probably going to have all kinds of random, like, hey, go over there, or, dude, just leave me alone. Regardless, these wise men were hunting and hunting and hunting, and they were searching. And they knew enough about astrology, and they knew enough about some of the different things to, as to, to where to follow and what to go, but they had no idea exactly where or who they were looking for. The people that they were asking may have been just as shocked to discover. I I don't know, maybe maybe the wise men were thinking that somebody would have known that there was a king born in their general region. Today we would know. The princess whatever over in England is pregnant, right? You see how much I follow any of that stuff? We know When that baby is born, everybody in the world, the world will stop because of Kate or whatever her name is, had a child. Now, we may not care, but you will know. Here, they're asking, and nobody seems to give them answers, and nobody seems to give them answers. Maybe the people that they were asking didn't even realize that there was a king that had been born. We really don't know. But at this time in history, also, the Romans were looking for a king as well. The expectation of the coming of a great king, a great deliverer. The Roman historian, and I don't know how to say his name, but Suetonius, speaking of the time around the birth of Christ, wrote there had spread over all the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. Another historian wrote that there was a firm persuasion that at this very time the East was to grow powerful and rulers coming from Judea were to acquire a universal temple. A Jewish historian said this in his Jewish wars that, about, that at about the time of Christ's birth the Jews believed that one from their country would soon become ruler of the habitable earth. So there was a lot of things that were taking place at this time. And here's what we see out of Matthew chapter 2. There was three things that the wise men were seeking. Or there was one thing that they were seeking, but there was three things that led them to this place. They were seeking a king. They had followed a star and they had came to worship him. And so as we look at this, and we're going to look real briefly at the star... Before I jump into the points, and I promise the points will be brief this morning, but the star, we are not told how the God of Revelation caused the Magi to know that the King of the Jews had been born. Only that He gave them the sign of His star in the east. So we don't know how 
if you remember, we spoke last week of Simeon and at the at, in Luke, and we talked about that the Holy Spirit was with him and led him to the place. This we don't know other than the fact that it says that they they followed the star. We don't know now through history. Uh, there is there is times uh, if we go back and you look through all of history that that in this time they would have. They would have seen a star. There would have been different things. And some say it was a, the conglomerate of different, uh, different um, planets that it all came together. We don't really know. This one suggests, as I read here, that Jupiter, the king of the planets, others claim or that it was Jupiter. Others claim that it was a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn forming the sign of the fish, which was at that time used as a symbol for Christianity in the early church during the Roman persecution. Others claim it was a low-hanging meteor, an erratic comet, or simply an inner vision of the star of destiny in the hearts of mankind. There's a lot of people that have said a lot of things as to what in the world that star would have been. And so as I talk this, this evening or this morning, and I just want to challenge us as to how can we keep Christmas, and you're probably going, what, what does this have to do with Christmas and today? But as we look at these wise men, and we look at what they were doing, they were seeking, they were following, they came to worship, they they had a specific task, a specific goal as to what they were doing. And I want to ask you three simple questions this morning, and we'll be done. The first one is this, what do you seek? What is it that you seek? And when we look at Christmas, and we think of the idea of Christmas, and and, and your family and whatever it is that you have traditional things. And what we seek really gives us the outcome of what that day is. Have you ever sought after something? To think that you were going to get something? To be let down because that's not what happened? Christmas Day, maybe you thought as a child, man, I'm going to get this gift. That's all I've asked for. I've asked for one specific thing. That's all, that's all I wanted. That's all. I, if you get me nothing else, this is what I want. And you get there, and you've got everything else except for that. And you're disappointed. You leave Christmas going, the only thing I wanted, I didn't get. When you seek something, that's what we expect. Many people have incredible Christmas and holiday memories based on what they seek. Some, this past week, were disappointed in that they didn't get something they felt they should have received. Maybe even for Christmas this year, it was a, it was a downer type of a Christmas because you desired to give something and do something that you weren't able to do this year because financially you just weren't able to do it. I can think of times in my uh, life going back with my children that there was times of Christmas that were more of a, I left Christmas just being upset and discouraged because I couldn't provide to my children the things that I wanted to provide for my children. Though my children were running around, they were playing, they had a great time, I thought and I felt I wish I could have done this or this, but it was discouraging to me because I couldn't. I seek, or I was seeking something out of the Christmas season or the Christmas holiday that I couldn't give and I couldn't provide and therefore I was discouraged because of what I ultimately wanted out of that day. As we look at the wise men, they sought one thing, the king of the Jews. They had one goal in mind When they left their post, wherever they came from, they had one goal in mind, and that was to find the king of the Jews. And in that process of seeking the king, they asked as many people as they could, they did as much as they could, they traveled as far as they could, they got to the place where they figured Jerusalem was kind of the Mecca of all religious things at that time, and they got there and they thought, for sure, when I ask these people, they will take me directly to the king of the Jews. They were seeking one thing. They were seeking the king of the Jews. Here are these magi, these wise men, coming to Jerusalem, asking the questions. Where is he? How can I find him? 
What's even more, and maybe not more, but what's even interesting to me is that he doesn't mention at this time they weren't looking for a prince, they weren't looking for a, a, a rabbi, they, weren't looking, they were looking specifically for the king of the Jews. Not only that, it says the, they were looking for the one who was born king of the Jews, knowing that it was a child. Herod the Great, at that time, was sitting as the king. Let me share with you briefly who Herod was. Herod found pleasure in taking his enemies, unarming them, putting them in the middle of a, of a town square, or putting in the middle of somewhere, having his army come and basically just pummel and destroy those that would be considered his enemy. Herod, that was his fun. Herod was the man that thought he was the great of the greats. He wanted everyone to know who he was and that he was the king. He was the ruler of the area. No one was safe in his, in his reach. He killed his own wife's brother because why? His brother was popular among the Jews and he had his wife's brother killed. Not only did he kill his wife's brother, he eventually killed his own wife because he became suspicious of who she was. If you take that, he killed both of her sons. Before his own death, he killed his own son and the, what would be the heir of his throne. So can you imagine at this point in time, we come to verse number 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. I don't know what your fear level is of anything, but apparently these guys had no, they had one thing in mind, they were seeking the king. Asking everybody, and eventually it comes to the place where they're standing before King Herod. The same king who finds pleasure in killing whomever he just has a disagreement with. And here he is, in front, or here they are in front of this king. He was a tyrant, a ruler. And so as that king, or that news came to him and the thought came, there is no other king but me, I'm assuming was going through his mind. So he gathers all of the people and he, he begins to question those that are within his, his, uh, his reach, the priests and the scribes and, and all of the different uh, leaders and rulers that he had put around him. And he basically said, you let me know where this king is. And then he calls the wise men back in and he says, now go find him. So they were seeking the king of the Jews. They were also following the star in the east. If you remember, I made reference and I stated that they, there is no known fact as to what that star was or what was taking place here. But as we look, some, some suggest it was Jupiter, the king of the planets. Others claim those other, the conjunction of other things. Regardless, there is nothing that we can stand for sure of knowing in fact. But as I was studying, as I was reading, this just jumped out at me and made a lot of sense to me. And it, again, we can't state this for fact. But what if it was just this? What if it was just the glory of God? The glory that shone around the shepherds when Jesus' birth was announced in Luke chapter 2. What if it was as, as it would be told throughout the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory, God's radiating light, His presence. If we were to go throughout the Old Testament real briefly, the Lord guided the children of Israel through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night in Exodus. Moses went up on Mount Sinai to the eyes of the sons of Israel. The appearance of the glory of the Lord was a consuming fire on the mountaintop. After Moses had inscribed the Ten Commandments on stone tablets, his face still glowed with light of God's glory when he returned to the people. When Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. 
On the Damascus road, just before Jesus spoke to him, Saul of Tarsus was surrounded by a light from heaven, which he, he later explained was brighter than the sun. John's first vision on the, on the island of Patmos, he saw Christ's face like the sun shining in its strength. In his vision of the new Jerusalem, the future heavenly dwelling of all believers, he reports that the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. We can question and wonder what that star might have been. And we can read historical reviews of all of these things. But this morning, I just, I just want us to think on a couple things. What is it that you seek? You see, if we live our lives seeking the things and the pleasures that this world has to offer, we will live our lives seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking and never actually finding the fulfillment that we have. If we lived our lives, if you came to Christmas this Christmas season, you came with the intention that everything's going to be, everything's going to be happy and everything's going to be great and all of the things of Christmas are going to be wonderful because I'm going to get this gift or I'm going to give this gift or I'm going to do this thing or do that thing. You're going to leave unfulfilled and the next day or the day after or that afternoon you're going to leave going, well, that really wasn't all that it was supposed to be. I was a little disappointed this Christmas. Here we are a couple days past Christmas. If we seek the king, if we seek the star, so to speak, if we look at that and we think, man, if that star was the glory of God, and those wise men, all they did were follow that star, they followed that star, they followed that star, with one intention at the end of that was to find the king. Think of your life and think of... All I can do is look at myself, but if I look at myself and think of your own self, if all I do is to seek Him, for one, it says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. If we look all throughout Scripture, it tell, in the New Testament, it, spe- it speaks very clearly that as you search for Him, He will show Himself to you. If we live our lives to seek Him, seeking after the King, I'm not going to promise you that every day that you live is going to be the greatest day of your life. But here's what I can promise. I can promise for one that he will show himself to you. I can also promise that he is the only one that brings the joy that is spoke of at Christmas. He is the only one that really can fulfill the things that we're after. We all want peace. We all want joy. We all want comfort. We all want all of these things. And the only thing that can give it to us, or the only one that can give it to us, is Him. Here's our problem. We don't seek Him. We seek things. And at Christmas time, we leave discouraged. Or we come the next day, and we're like, well, that was over. Now what do we do? Isn't that what our kids do? They've played with the toy for the last two weeks, and that's boring now. It's no good now. We need to throw it away. Just this week, my wife went through all of our children's stuff and began to throw stuff away. All right, here we go. Let's go to your room, find the things that we don't use, and let's throw them away. Isn't that what we do? Those are the things that bring us pleasure for a season, for a moment. If we seek Him, if we seek Him, we will be able to have Christmas all year round. Next, just a simple thought is this. Where do you look? Where are you looking? If you're seeking then you have to look somewhere. I'm seeking something. I'm seeking. If I'm seeking after what the world can give me, then I'm going to look in the wrong locations. And this really just kind of ties in, and, and it's, again, this isn't rocket science this morning, but the wise men knew where to look as they followed the star. But if we continue, if we read through that scripture, and we come down to verse Number nine, 
When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Based on everything that I've read, based on everything that I've looked upon, the star was there and the star departed. So at some point in there, they were following their own intuition and their own thoughts and their own minds. They kind of made up their own. Okay, I know I'm going in this direction because that's where the star was. And this is Jerusalem. And I'm assuming that in the, the Mecca of all religion, that's where the king of the Jews would be. And that's, we're going we're gonna to head that direction. But it wasn't until after all of the scribes and the priests and the people came unto them, when Herod called them back in and said, Hey, go and find in Bethlehem, and then come back and let me know so I can go and worship. They now had a specific place as to where to look. I can encourage you over and over and over and over again as to the things that you should seek. But I can't always point you, or I can't live it for you, so you're going to have to look on it on your own. Does that make sense? I can, I can share with you, but you're going to have to do it on yourself, by yourself. I don't know where you find that happy place, that thing that you're looking for. I don't know where you, how you could keep Christmas all year. And what Christmas is to you. If it's just family and friends, it's giving, it's being selfless, it's, it's all of those things that we look at around the time that Christmas is. I don't really know. But here's our issue and our problem is, oftentimes, I'm not in the right location to look for the right thing. I want to seek happiness. I want to seek joy. I want to seek all of these things. And that's what, my, that's what I'm after. And I'm finding it in things and, and houses and cars and toys and, and clothing and all of these things. And so if that's what I'm looking for, that's what I'm seeking for, I'm looking in the wrong spot. As I seek Christ, where do I find that? Where do I find those things that we're looking for? Are you putting too much emphasis on family? Are you putting too much emphasis on work? Are you putting too much emphasis on, on things that may be good? I say this, I've said this before, and I, I believe wholeheartedly in this. Oftentimes, we put all of our emphasis because this is what makes us happy and feel good, and sometimes we can put too much into our family. As good as your family is. You say, well, that's not right. Now, if I'm seeking God, as good as my family is, I believe wholeheartedly there's a time where I can put my wife and my children ahead of God, and I, I'm out of balance. We seek that pleasure, that good thing, because we're serving at church. Well, you're always asking for people to serve at church. Absolutely. But if you're gratified and you, everything that you do is because of serving at church, then we're out of balance. If, you're, if your walk with God is because you sing on this stage, because you serve in the nursery, because you do anything in leadership around this church, we're wrong, we're off. As good as it may be, where you're looking, I'm looking because I can hold a microphone. I'm looking because I'm teaching children. I'm looking because of all these things. Well, I'm looking in the wrong place. As good as they are, please don't, this is what could happen. You're going to come up, you know what? I just realized I'm serving too much. No, but sometimes we can do that. I have found myself in my life throughout the course of, especially my adult life, where many times my walk with God was because I was on staff at a church. Not because I had a walk with God. I've gone through seasons like that. When I was a child, my walk with God was because I was a kid and I would stand on stage with my family and sing songs. And people just would all, oh, Aaron Flanagan, he is such a good kid. 
you did not go to school with me. You have no idea who I was. But people just assumed because I sang on stage that I was the leader in the youth group. Why? Because I served. That was my walk with God. I was looking in the wrong places. I wasn't looking for myself on my own. I knew what looked good, and so that's where I was looking, and that's where my gratification came. Where you look often will find you in the right or the wrong place. I just, I think of that. What if the, what if Herod didn't, I get it was just out of selfishness that he said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to kill you because you're looking for the king and you're looking at the king. But why don't you go find that guy and then bring him back to me? Out of selfishness. And then what did he do? He wanted all kids under the age of two to be what? Killed. Out of selfishness. What if he just said, you know what? (laughs) I don't know who these guys are. Whack. He very easily could have because that's what he did to everybody else that opposed him. Fortunately for them and their seeking of Christ, obviously it was preordained, but they made it to the next place, which was to find him. And the last point this morning is this. What do you give? What is it that we give? We seek. What we seek really gives us our outcome. Where we look, then what am I giving? If we were to take this passage of Scripture, in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they begin to give him gifts. Nope. What did they do? Did they stop and say, oh, Let me give you all of these things that we brought for you. No. It says they fell, bowed, and worshipped Christ. They came to seek the king. And when they came, though they had gifts, they had one thing and one thing only was really on their mind. They found the king and they worshipped. They bowed. It says if you were to look through the studies and you were to really look at that, to be prostrate, to be basically laid out flat in homage and honor of the king that was standing in front of them. A toddler, if any of you come and lay down at my son's feet, I'm going to kick you. We aren't going to do that. It's a child. But The star brought them to that house and they laid prostrate. They fell, they bowed and worshipped the king. Can I just share with you, if you want to keep the the spirit, so to speak, of Christmas every day, seek after Him. Seek Him. Don't seek to to have more things. Don't seek to gain a, a better place. Don't just seek Him. In our seeking of Christ, I can promise you this. He will lead you exactly where he needs you to be. So many times in our lives, so many times, I have to make the path because I think I know where I'm supposed to be. So I kind of forge ahead and I think that we should do it this way. So I do those things. God doesn't need me to forge ahead. God needs me to seek him. And as I seek him, He wants me to just worship. Here's what we do. We have all of this stuff and we're like, look, God, hey, look at my service over here. Look, here we go. God, look, look at all the things I did here. Here, look. All he wants is for me to be laid down worshiping him. 
He doesn't want my stuff. He doesn't want, he doesn't need me. This is the most, this is so humbling to me. He does not need me to be a pastor for me to look at him and go, well, God, look what I do. I pastor a church. And let me give you all of that service. Thank you. No. You know what he wants? He wants Aaron to worship him. And out of my worship to him, the service comes naturally. The selflessness comes naturally. The humility comes naturally. All of those things are byproduct. And I, and I could be, maybe I'm looking into this wrong. But they worshiped him and then they gave of themselves the other things to him. We do it backwards. We give to him. Hey, look at all this. God, I served for one hour this week. Ciao. Oh, let me worship. No. Worship. Seek and worship him. Then the other stuff can come. Then it happens. Why? Because then it becomes natural. It's just out of the outpour. Think of this, and I know this is, hey, it's been quiet all morning, so I might as well say this anyway. In churches, the voodoo word is money. The voodoo word in church is money. Not allowed to talk about it. Not allowed to do any of those things. But think about this. If I worship him, the gifts that they gave were out of what? Worship and love. Period. That's, that's it. Their worship, the giving part of that to them, the gifts and the things that they gave to Christ, did God need, did he need them? No. He didn't need the gold. He didn't need the frankincense. and He didn't need any of those things. Now, we could go into some of the symbolism of it, and we could, we could teach on some of that and, and all of those things, but, but he didn't need that. He didn't ask for that. But they came, and as a byproduct of their worship, they gave of the abundance of who they were. And at that time, it was the gold and the frankincense and the money. Why? Because... They fell down and worshipped. In verse number 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I can't help but think of us as believers. I'm looking around for the most part. We're looking at a a church group, a group of believers. We would all pretty much say the same thing about Christmas. Oh, we're, we're here, we're, it's the, the birth of Jesus, and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, and we sit down with our kids. It's all about the birth of Jesus. Why do we celebrate Jesus? But we don't go through that same thing every other day. Why are we here? Jesus! Let me encourage you this morning, and I'm done. This may be the shortest sermon. We're out of here. But let me encourage you. Who and what are you seeking? Are you truly seeking the king of the Jews? Are we, am I, when I look at this, when I was presenting this or preparing this, I had to look at myself and think, Aaron, are you really, truly seeking Christ? Is that what you're seeking? If that's what I'm seeking, then I'm going to look in the right places. This is pretty much what I need to look at. Where I need to look is where, right here. We live in the most biblical, illiterate society of all times. I would venture to say statistically... The majority of people in this auditorium, in this congregation, don't know how or do not have a regular 
Bible reading time in their own life. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I'm try, I don't, I, that's not intended to be nasty to you. That's just the fact of the day and age in which we live. When many of you grew up, you went to school and the Bible was taught in your school. Well, maybe not many of you, some of you. Depending on how far back we go. But it was, it, if, some, if my kid would have walked down the street and done things the wrong way, one of the neighbors would have said, hey, we don't do that around here. Today you do that, I as the dad now go to your house and tell you, that's my child, you don't talk to my kid. We live in a different society. Why? Because we're not governed after this anymore. We're governed after whatever I want to do is what I want to do. And you don't tell me what to do. But regardless, what are you seeking? If you're seeking Christ, then you're going to look in the right places. And in the looking, we're going to give out of the abundance, which is the worship to Him. I don't know about you, but I think it would be fun to kind of celebrate Christmas every day. I couldn't afford it. But it would be fun. It was nice to sit around and relax with my parents and our family and others that were there. We had a good time. I've talked to many of you. Yeah, it was nice. We, the kids were here or the grandkids were here or whatever it was, and you enjoyed things together. I'd like to say this. There's no reason that we can't have that same spirit, so to speak, every day of our lives. If we seek Him, and our intention is to worship Him. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.